clock at five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Unreal. Rainbows high and deep into the end zone. And it is caught. Caught. Caught for a touchdown. A leaping touchdown catch. Here he goes. He'll be chased and he is caught. 97 yards. Does he get both feet in right here at the end, Jim? What are they going to roll it? He caught it? Touchdown! He did what? He did what? He runs to the 50. He runs to the 40. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. We are seeing another spectacular effort by Marino, who fires. Touchdown! Oh, that's loose. Allen steps up. Jumps over the defenders to pick up the first. Says a prayer. pretty crazy um i'm gonna say that there will be so last week there were one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen fourteen fifteen sixteen seventeen eighteen teams out of the 32 that went over 20 points Last week, 18 out of the 32, over half of the NFL scored 20 or more points. I think that number is going to come drastically down this week. I think that there will be 12 or less teams that score over 20 points this week. I think there's going to be a lot of defensive battles. All right, everybody. It's chess. I'm going – very good. I'm going to go with – Maybe this isn't exciting. I can't think if it necessarily is. In my mind, it seems impressive, and that's all that matters is feeling good about yourself, right? It's all about yourself. That sounds egotistical, though. Regardless, I'm going to say there are going to be at least three games this week that both teams score 35-plus points. Welcome (laughs) into Simultaneous Catch, folks. I'm Adam Jeffrey Rossi. And I'm Josh Labbing. Well, folks, there were 10 teams that scored less than 20. And Josh made a comment that clearly I don't take enough notes because apparently that was his friend's fortune in week one that he got right. (laughs) Ah, It's okay, you know. They say... That imitation is the highest form of flattery. And if I can do even half of an imitation as you, pal, then I will be very happy. Uh, yeah, so I think... Wait, so I just want to... So you said half the teams in the NFL? I said that 12 or less teams would score le- 20 or less points. And there were 10 teams that did it. So... Okay, well, there, then I guess... It was close. You know, it was close, but it was wrong. Well, you said 10 or less, so 10 is less than 12. No, 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 no. Yeah, I guess. No, no, no. There, were, there were 10 teams that scored less than 20 last week, and I said there would be 12 or less. So I was too off. Uh, oh, wait. No. 
I did. I got it right. Yeah, I mean. Wait, no, I got it right. No, I got it right. (laughs) That doesn't make any. uh, Okay, I guess I got it right. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) I'm so sorry. Oh, oh, how are you doing, buddy? Uh, um, well, after that, I just don't know. Talk about yours for a second. Mm. Yeah, so there was only one game where both teams went over that amount of points. I was thinking there, when I was looking at the schedule for week five, I was thinking there were five potential games that stood out to me that I thought this was a possibility. Obviously, they did not come to fruition. Only one did the Browns-Chargers game with a score of 47-42. to That was one of the five that I thought it was a possibility. Um, but the other ones just did not pan out as, as much as I thought they were going to. So. Yeah, that was a story for a lot of games. I will – so, okay, this is why I'm having a weird reaction to my friend's fortune. I don't know if you should give it to me, but you tell me. It's because the prediction is 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 lame. Like 12 or less teams means that, like, nobody – everybody could have scored over 20 and I would have gotten it right. So I, I worded the question incorrectly. Like, I, I it should have been 12 or more teams would score less than 20, but – I, I incorrectly said the prediction, so I I don't I wouldn't give myself that one. <laughs> hey, like I am I'm prepared to give you a W if you. No, want. no, no. Uh, I didn't. I don't. No. I don't earn that one. I don't earn that one. That's that one's not good. I'm, I'm not taking credit for that one. You know, uh, but I feel like you you need to throw yourself a bone right, there. But, but again, guess, but again, gonna... but again, like it could have been two teams yeah, that did not, it. Let's not debate your pals. <laughs> Your, your friend's fortune points here. It's okay. If you don't want it, I'm not going to make yeah, you dig. I don't want it. It's not fair. But you know what I do want? I need to get this out of the way real quick is I still have not seen an egg video. Well, I so again, I, I so do you want me just to do it or do you want to wait until next week when I see you for you to go ahead and egg egg me? And we'll put it on the ins. Oh my gosh, I didn't even didn't even think of that being a possibility. You know what? Let's 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 do it together. Yeah, because we. Know, I like that. For everybody listening, I haven't seen Josh in a while. Actually, it's been since July, hasn't it? You came the July Fourth weekend. Uh, yeah, Fourth yeah. July weekend. So, I drove up home. So. so yeah, we're we're going to one of our best friends' weddings uh, next weekend, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna be seeing each other. So yeah, we'll put that on our on our Instagram for you guys to see because. It's definitely a deserve. Well, boom. It's <laughs> that is exciting. <laughs> but yes, I, kind of talking about your points thing, there were a lot of games that should have been, at least on paper, shootouts that just weren't. I mean, uh, I really, we really, I really thought the Rams Seahawks was going to be a very high scoring game. Um, I thought Packers Bengals could have been a lot higher scoring. Obviously, Browns. That was one yeah. of both of those were games that I thought could have been on the radar. Yeah. And then of course Bills Chiefs. Now Bills did score 35 plus. It's just the Chiefs didn't get there. So yeah, there were there were plenty of games that I could definitely see that being a, you know a good reason why you would have done that. But regardless, welcome to the show folks. You got we got some good rant rave recalls for today. I'm going to start because my rave was going to be about my team because I was just really proud of how they played and I felt really good about the prediction and I was right, but I want to say We'll talk about that game later. I want to rave about the Chargers and the Browns game, and I want to use it as a way to con- continue my fight to get you on analytics lane here. So, okay. obviously, the big thing about this game was I think this was the, like 
I think that this game was a masterclass on high football IQ. And one of the reasons is you pointed it out during the game too. The you know the Browns players carrying Austin Eckler into the end zone at the end of the game, and we've been having that debate all season long. Like, do you let the team score? Do you score anyway? Do you just kneel it and kick the field goal? Uh, obviously, LA ended up winning anyway. But LA down fourteen late scores a touchdown and goes for two instead of the one. Right? Um, and that was the debate that we had on the show. I don't know if it was last week or a week previous. And here's my way to boil it down to it. Because Brandon Staley went for fourth down a lot in this game, right? He was going for fourth and eights and fourth and nines at times. He was just going for it. And it paid off. They ended up winning. But here's my argument. I boiled it down to one sentence. Okay, for you. Here we go. If you're down 14, okay, and you, you score a touchdown... You have the ch- you have the choice of going for two or going for one. Sorry, this isn't one sentence. Um, <laughs> if you go for two both times, all you have to do is convert at a fifty percent rate to still tie the score. And if you go for the extra point both times, you have to convert at a one hundred percent rate. Now, back in the day. This would have been like, of course I would do this because it's a chip shot. And it's still kind of a chip shot, but especially with the way field goals are getting kicked these days, 30-plus yards is not a guarantee anymore, and it's certainly not what it was when you could just kick it from the goal line. So it's the difference between you only have to convert half of your attempts for getting two yards in a football game, or you have to convert every single time. Does that help my argument? Uh, I mean, it logically makes sense. I still don't agree with it. Okay, okay. Well, at least you said that. But regardless, yes, I'm raving about the Chargers. I think that Brandon Staley has been revelation with Justin Herbert, and they've been winning these close games. I mean, they obviously they won this shootout 47-42 with the Browns, and then you have the really close game with the Chiefs a couple weeks ago. They had, excuse me, uh, they, they won Monday night pretty, pretty easily, but... Um, they also won a close game against Dallas. Or no, Dallas beat them in a close game. Sorry. But the point I wanted to make, they won a close game against Washington, um, is that last year and in years past prior to just last year, they're losing these contests, right? They're losing the hard-fought contests late in the game to yeah. some crushing decision or mistake, and they're just not doing it this year. And I think Brandon Staley has a lot to do with that for sure. And I just I love the aggressiveness of this team, and this team looks at the numbers and says, we're going to give our team the best chances to outright win, and they did, and they won. And obviously it looked like same old Chargers for a hot second there where they missed the extra point. But again, that's, that's the argument is that if you miss the extra point and you at least went for two the last time, it, it all evens out. Um, but again, awesome game to watch. And uh, I just, I'm just i raving about how smart Brandon Staley and the Chargers have been. Yeah, well-deserved. The Chargers, like you said, it, it's great to bring up the point that in years past, this wouldn't we wouldn't have seen this outcome from the Chargers very often in the last five to eight years. They were notorious for for the missed field goal or a back-breaking interception or a fumble down in the in the red zone. So very well said because you're right. This feels like a different team, and they are are winning close shootout games 
in a way that we haven't seen from the Chargers yeah. in quite some time. So it's it's well deserved. And then the so just to give a rundown of all of this in the third quarter they went for on a fourth and two got a first down on a fourth and seven got a first down for two point conversion got it successfully and then in the fourth quarter they went for it on a fourth and eighth eight and got it and they did go for a two that they did not get but again they got the one previously all you have to do is convert it at 50 percent rate to keep it even if you convert higher then you're winning by more um so four out of five on fourth down uh and they end up winning the game so again they're just going for it they're going for teams throats and so far this year it's working well, yeah, I don't know if I want to say they're going for teams' throats. This this was a Cleveland team that kind of imploded because at one point they were bit, double digits. Sure. So, of course, in those situations, yeah, I'm not going to be like, let's play super – let's kick the field goal, everybody, and be down by – 15 instead of 18 yeah of course they're, they're situational football where of course you're, there are moments when you have to do it but there are also moments when you don't have to do it it can be slightly advantageous to do it but it's not necessary it's not gonna be a backbreaker but of course when you're when you're down so many scores of course you need to rack up your points and rack them up quick i'm not gonna debate that point and uh anyway justin herbert definitely early season mvp candidate so we'll see if that continues that is true. Haven't really heard too much talk about it, but it's very, very true. So I am going to officially, here we go, week six, make make my recall. Ooh, first recall okay. of the year. I'm, I'm not I'm not disappointed. I don't feel dumb or ashamed or anything, but you know, six weeks ago we had our prediction show and I still buckled down and I picked the Indianapolis Colts. And I think it's it's just time to recall them winning the division. And that has nothing to do with them being a bad football team. It has nothing to do with, with I think, a lack of talent or coaching or anything like that. I think they have a lot of great elements and pieces and, and all those things. They just were dealt a bad hand, and it's just a down year. And that happens. That's We talk about it all the time. That's what makes football fun is that you can have a team that was in the playoffs last year and then be down or a team that goes from – worst to first example but you know so they they've just had a pretty vicious schedule off the front which i we all knew coming into the season i thought they'd fare a little bit better than they did and you know honestly throughout the first half of the game against baltimore i was looking up at tennessee and they're three and two and if uh, indy had won this game they'd be two and three and obviously tennessee has the buffalo bills this week so i'm thinking they have some opportunity to get right back in this race but obviously the huge implosion happened on the arm of lamar jackson which was awesome to see and and it didn't work out so i think that is a pretty big backbreaker for the indianapolis colts obviously we still have a lot of football to go but it's just gonna be super difficult to dig their themselves out of this hole that they're in right now so i think it's time to recall that def- that uh that prediction and say that i was wrong and i'm okay with that because like i said i don't think it was for a lack of of reason or anything they just uh have have been on the losing end of of the bets yeah i caught the end of that game i i couldn't sleep on monday night so i ended up actually catching the end of that game and it was pretty exciting and i don't think it was weird you know it, that was a case of Lamar and the Ravens just winning the game. I don't think that the Colts necessarily squandered that game away. Obviously, their defense scrambled a little bit, but I, I definitely feel like that was that was more Ravens took that one rather than the Colts threw it away because Carson Wentz still put them in position a couple of times to end up winning that game. Obviously, uh, Blankenship had a chance to win the game and he missed the kick. Like, kicking is a 
epidemic going on here um, in the NFL. But uh, second, I so you were calling it who wins the division? Who are you recalling it to? Yeah. I mean, right now, I, the division right now is just pretty bad So, <laughs> uh, as a whole. So I feel like it has to be the Tennessee Titans. I was going to say you're going to recall the Jags. I think it is the Colts. <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going with the, the Jacksonville Jaguars, <laughs> the Houston Texans right now. So right now, Tennessee is very much in the driver's seat. Okay. They still have a little bit of a schedule themselves. If they fall on their face, it's not impossible for Indy, but it's just a much bigger okay. uphill Collide. So you recalled the Colts. The Titans are going to win. Now, the, the Titans were in your wild card slot. So unless you just want me to swap out, because I'm keeping track of our, of these predictions, and I'm writing down when we recalled things. Um, so you're recalling the Titans as a wild card, obviously, because you're having them in the division. Are you? Do you have a team that you would like to add as the wild card, or are we just swapping them out right now? Oh no, not swapping out. I don't think I. I don't believe I had the Chargers making it to the wild. You did not dance. Did you I? did not. No, you had. Well, they are. They are definitely there. Okay. I mean, they're okay. driving their division right now. So I mean, that that could flip flop because right now it's looking like KC very well maybe. The okay. Wild card, awesome. So. First recall of the season, guys. We've got Colts recalling the Colts. Get going with the Titans for the division, and he's going to add the Chargers in that slot. Awesome. Love it. I'm sure, guys. There's going to be plenty of recalls coming on, especially from. From uh, your humble Adam Starr here, because his predictions have been falling apart in the last couple of weeks. Uh, um, lest we forget that uh, twelve or less, October or less. Yes, let's let let's not forget that my breakout candidate for the Chargers was the kicker, who's now been cut from two NFL teams this year. So, um, regardless, <laughs> regardless, let's get the news and notes. And holy moly, has it been a couple of days? Wow, John Gruden just goes from a guy who has. One email that's pretty bad, but still has people defending his character to, wow, removed from the ring of honor, removed from the team, people just all over it. And now we're hearing more stories about, there's a story about Adam Schefter's integrity being questioned after allegedly sending a story to Bruce Allen and saying, let me know if anything needs changed. So people are saying, oh, is he letting people, you know, shape narratives? And like, there's so many stuff coming out um, from this investigation about the Washington football team and how their organization has been run. But wow, I mean, what do you think about all this, man? Yeah, it is certainly a lot. And it is, I think, both a good look and a bad look for the NFL Obviously, a good look because they are cracking down and and saying that these actions, these thoughts, these feelings are no longer acceptable in the league, and that's really good. But it's a bad look just to have it be coming out and to to be having the narrative or the conversation about the NFL right now as we're we're approaching. We're not quite at the halfway point, but we're approaching it for the halfway point of the NFL season to be talking about sexist and misogynistic and homophobic comments being talked about in the NFL. So, well, and not super great in that point, but go ahead. The, the reality that I, that I wanted to say is that it, it is like, it's good that when this stuff becomes public, something's done about it. That's, that is good. That's, there's no debate about that, that it, the, the act in it of self is good, but it's, it can't be called surprising and it can't be called as a one-time thing because this is a league this is an organization if you will that only had its first active openly gay player this year 2021 so the culture around sports and obviously the nfl 
has not been super well accepting of certain communities. And that's, you know, one example for the LGBTQ plus community. Um, there's something else to be said about the African-American community um, and communities, people of color in general, because obviously some of that was laced into some of these emails that were that were sort of revealed. Uh, but it says a lot that, I mean, there are obviously and very clearly a lot of people in the NFL who are less than great people. And that's I just really just what it is. And so for me, it's just a really sad day because John Gruden's the guy that you and I have talked about on the show really liking. We've talked about loving his coverage of Monday Night Football. We've talked about how smart he is and how, you know, he just brings excitement to the game. And we've talked about him being a good coach. And, you know, they started 3-0 and and the stories were all positive. And then all this stuff comes out. And I just, like, my feeling about it is just being disheartened. I'm really happy that, you know... He did resign, and people are, are taking steps now that the story's out. But I'm just a little disheartened today because it makes me sad and afraid that, you know, I, I'm starting to question, are there other more, quote-unquote, old-school people in the NFL right now who still have these beliefs and still, you know, act a certain way towards certain groups of people when they're coaching? I don't know. Tell me if that's being too too much, but that's my feelings right now. No, I mean, it's not too much. It's not too much because, you know, I, I think it's true. I think it's a reality. I think if you go through a majority of these, I don't want to say majority, that's not the correct word, but I mean, if you go through people's past, you'll dig up some skeletons. Right, right, right. Whether or not they're to the extremity that we saw with John Gruden, I mean, who's to say? But, and this is in no means... Um, justifying or saying it's okay but i you know i think i think it was really telling on sunday night or monday night excuse me when this news broke that mike Tirico and tony dungy they came out and before this was when it was just one email and they spoke about never having known him for a long time obviously mike Tirico was in the booth with him for seven years and never having seen an inclination like this i don't i don't know if i really think this is john gruden's true heart Maybe with his, I just feel like it was John Gruden just being really dumb and just being poor judgment, uh, thinking that things were more acceptable than they obviously are. But I, I don't think at the end of the day, John Gruden carries hate in his heart. Uh, but I just think, like I said, it was just, uh, I, I don't, obviously these emails span years, so to say a lapse of judgment, it's it's weird to say it that way, but it just, you know, it was just really, really poor choices. Right, and who's to say, obviously we say this a lot on our show, we don't really know these people for sure, so who's to say who really knows what's in their hearts or not, and you would always like to believe that to their core people have good hearts, obviously not everybody does, but you'd like to believe that. I just, I really really uh, you know my journey sort of in the last couple of years personally has involved forgiveness and you know hoping for it from people for mistakes I've made in my past and also giving it to people at times when they whether or not they deserved it or not you know what I mean that's been my personal journey so it's hard to see something like this and hear about oh this was unraveled from your past when you were this way um but I think the reason why 
it has me so disheartened is it doesn't seem as though there's a lot of evidence that he's different today because there are people like some of these emails are are pretty recent going up into the last I think like 2018 2019 before he right before he started coaching again and it's just there's a difference to me between somebody who showed a pattern of behavior that was problematic bad hurtful however you want to describe it and hasn't really shown restitution for that hasn't really shown a path I don't want to say shown a path to redemption but hasn't seemed to have walked a path of redemption for that and it's hard because again we don't know you know a lot of stuff all we know is the dirty details but on one hand I fear for everybody in the world for getting their deep dark secrets removed if we would all just realize you know if we would all be like oh we're all terrible people and on the other hand I want to believe that most people are good and we just make really, really horrible mistakes at times. I don't know. This is a very deep conversation. I didn't mean to, to, to turn it that way, but I think it's good to have. Yeah, no, it's okay. It, it definitely is important. And like you said, the biggest thing for me, which has been disappointing, disheartening, et cetera, obviously the entire thing is disappointing because he is a, a figure that – we have spoke pretty highly of. I mean, it was really big, exciting news when John Gruden came back to football. Like, that was cool. But I think what's so disappointing about it is, sure, he's come out, and even after the game on Sunday, he said, like, I'm sorry, and like, but I'm not going to get into it right right now, excuse me. And even, I mean, after he resigned, he was like, I didn't want to hurt anybody, and that's all well and good, but I just don't know if I saw that... I don't want to say I didn't see sincerity, but I think it's glo- it's it's a gloss over apology being like, I don't want to say it's sorry, like all of this came out and it's become such a big thing, but it just doesn't seem to address the heart of the real issue going on. Correct. No, that's a great way of saying it. That's a great way of saying it. And we can, we can kind of leave it at that because I don't want to belabor the point too much, but I, that's a great way of saying it. It, it seems as though... He's sorry he got caught, not quite sorry for his behavior. So, again, and we'll see what happens, but it's definitely worth talking, and the Raiders are falling apart here. We'll see if they can't get back on track with an interim head coach, but they could be a step away from just blowing it all up. Uh, Let's go from a coach that is having the worst couple of days ever to one that is getting a lot of praise even though their team isn't doing that well, and I think rightfully so, and Dan Campbell in his post-game, now infamous his post games are much watch must watch television now um <laughs> losing in heartbreaking fashion to the Minnesota Vikings they 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 go for it they try to win the game they take the lead late and it comes down to the to Minnesota Viking kicking game one of the most unreliable things in the last 5 or so years plus and golly lose the game after this players just kind of played their hearts out and dan campbell for those of you who haven't seen post game crying just talking about how much it hurts to see your guys give their all and just fall short and it's just i the wins are going to come for dan campbell he that that locker room believes in him those guys believe in him and they don't quite have the players just yet in order to win a bunch of games, but they clearly have, in my mind, even though they're 0-5, the coach that can lead them to this. 
Yeah, I completely agree with everything you just said. You know, it, it is for much of a bad look that we got from John Gruden. I thought we saw a lot of good from the NFL coaching from Dan Campbell doing this because for, for a number of reasons. First of all, like you said, I think it, it's so good to see this this man have this faith in his team and, and to get real. And that's, that's something that we just don't see in the NFL. I can't remember the last time I saw that kind of emotion from anybody at a presser, let alone a head coach. But it also, just beyond the care of the team, I think it goes so much farther of showing that uh, just just combating the stereotypical tough men can't have emotions. I'm so or, or glad you cry said that. Or, or things like that. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm obviously not the biggest. I'm 5'9", I'm 150 <laughs> pounds, so I don't want to fight any. I don't want to fight anybody in a bar. But if I if I see Dan Campbell in a bar and be like, that guy's going to bite my kneecap off. But to see him go and have that kind of emotion, it just, I think it sings such praises Absolutely. about those, those feelings and how, just like I said, tough tough men can have feelings and, it, and it's okay. Yeah. And I'm that's cool. so glad you said that because I was going to bring it up too. It, because if you've been watching the Dan Campbell journey, Early on, it has been, oh, he's the stereotypical tough guy football that's just going to be like, suck it up, bite some kneecaps. But then he shows up, and he has this, and it's just this emotionally raw thing. And I really, I hope, and I believe, there are young men out there who play this violent, heavily machismo-filled sport. And I fully believe that they're going to watch Dan Campbell, a symbol of... uh of what the stereotype of masculinity is supposed to be. And I hope that they learn that that right there can also be a, a huge part of masculinity. Being openly raw about people you work with and people you care about deeply. And that that's totally okay. And that there's nothing non-masculine about that. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm so glad you brought that up. Because I really, really wanted to highlight that. And I think that more than anything else Dan Campbell has done, which at this point, watching how hard they have fought, knowing that, you know, famous uh, preseason press conference that is funny and weird and head-scratching was working, I think this more than anything else is is working. And it's because it's clearly not a move, right? This is not a front. That was a man just being raw and being emotionally available, which is something we need more in today's world. Yeah, super good, super good. Obviously, like you said, they're 0 5, but they they just feel like a team that's kind of trending in the right decision, which is or right uh right direction, which is kind of weird to talking about an 0 5 team, but I I just really hope that he gets what Detroit teams have not gotten super much of and that's time because they do have a, a slew of picks coming up, and he just seems to to inspire these mm-hmm. players. And obviously, you know, down the road, if, if Dan Campbell's three and thirty-five, we'll be re-examining that and being like, maybe, maybe this isn't working <laughs> right. out. But right now, right. it's it, it it just feels like this is the guy for this job, and that makes me so thrilled because I've been talking about Dan Campbell as a head coach candidate for a couple of years. That's true. I was super yep. thrilled when he got this. That's true. So you you have been even even off air when he was still coaching with. Miami before we started the show I I I you 100% you've been on it. 
Uh, so let's let's get to some quick injury updates. I'm just going to give you a list of injury updates that I have here from CBS NFL, uh, and we'll just talk about the ones that we think are the biggest. Uh, Tua Tagovailoa did return to practice this week. His week six status is still unclear. His backup Jacoby Brissett, who missed part 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 of the game. Last week, I was carted off and came back, which is pretty crazy. I've never seen that before. Uh, was limited with his hamstring injury. Um, a Dalvin Cook running back was limited this week. Uh, starting running back Christian McCaffrey was limited participant in in uh, in practice this week. I think he got in some limited practice last week. Uh, Joe Burrow with his throat laceration. <laughs> Was a full participant in practice. Running back Joe Mixon was limited. Um, a, a lot of other stars limited. Guys like Antonio Gibson. Uh, got, Saquon Barkley did not practice. We talked about that a little bit in terms of fantasy. You know, how long would he be out? Daniel Jones, who had one of the most uh, cringy concussions I've seen in a long time. Where he got up and couldn't stand. I felt like that happened. that happened to somebody last year. Didn't it? That we were like, ooh, that's bad. I don't remember who it was or anything like well, that. Kind of happened to, kind of happened to Mahomes, sort of. Maybe, yeah, maybe it was Mahomes or something. But it was somebody who we were like, ooh, that's rough. But obviously, he's likely not playing this week. Uh, Kyler Murray is on the injury report. He was a limited participant. So there's a lot of, a lot of big names on injury reports this week. Uh, what are some of the biggest ones for you? And uh, are there guys that you're like, ah, I don't expect him to play. He'll play. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about a pretty big slew of quarterbacks. Obviously, you didn't even talk about Russell Wilson. His oh, yeah, of course, right. His finger, which required <laughs> surgery. Right. So that, that that's a big one, too. So we're talking about not only really valuable players, but we're talking about starting NFL quarterbacks. So that that's big in and of itself. Obviously, we won't see Russell for a handful of time. Uh, the initial prognosis is six to eight weeks, although Russell says he's going to beat it and be back there after four weeks. So we'll, we'll have to see and monitor that. Obviously, it's a finger on his throwing hand, which is a pretty big deal, I think, if you're a quarterback. Although, you know, Jared Goff played with a finger injury last year in the playoffs. I don't even know who the Lions backup is. actually... <laughs> I thought you're Daniel Jones is actually working through concussion protocol right oh, now. And okay. it, it, it is possible that he could play this. week. Daniel Jones know, has not been that bad is, this year. I will say this. Daniel Jones has been, been pretty decent, if not pretty good at times this year. And I honestly thought that they were going to continue to fight in that, in that game against Dallas. They were, they, they were not like being crushed when Daniel Jones was in that game. That's all I'm going to say. No, they weren't being crushed. We'll have to see, we'll have to see how much of that momentum. I obviously that was still relatively early right. on, and hey, and it's not. Hey, Mike Glennon played okay. D- Glenn, like he played all Glennon right, played all right, but still. and Dallas is nearing top five team status, if not already in it. You know, we'll talk about them a little bit later. But I mean, let, let's not fool ourselves. That's a really really good football team they were playing. So and Giants were missing set by the end of that game. Seventy percent of their total offense so far this year was out. Right. 70% of who, of players that that make up their total offensive yardage and scoring this this year was out by the end of that game. So that's that's something. <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a big one. 
Uh, quick up, quick update as the uh, Dolphins. Not even talking about the biggest injury of Blankenship, who is still out there <laughs> kicking with a hip injury. Poor guy, still shouldn't have missed the kick. Uh, just real quick before we wrap up and head over to, uh, if you have a crush, I've seen you with a hurt toe stub your toe and like go down to the ground. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> um, guys, I'm really tough. Uh, so before we get over to crushing it and week in review, just quick update as the Miami fan. Do we think two is going to play this week? Uh, I do at this moment. Obviously, we haven't heard much news one way or the other, but I do expect him to play. I do expect him to okay. be the starter in London. Okay. Um, I won't. I won't be surprised if they decide to hold him out one more week as a precaution. But I do think he's going to be out. Yeah. Awesome. Good. I. I don't think Tua was obviously Tua only had one really full game and got knocked out to start against Buffalo, but uh, he was okay against New England, and they. He was okay. He was okay. He made one one bad mistake at the end where he threw that made that bad decision on the toss, but uh he didn't he didn't play for the full rookie year, so he's still kind of a rookie and I obviously we still I don't know how you feel about it still. We could talk about it later, but I still expect things from from Tua if he can stay on the field for sure. That offensive line needs to get a little bit better. Um so yeah, uh, do you have any crush nits this week or are we just going to go right into week in review? I do have a crush in it. I'll I'll keep it relatively short, but I have to give a shout out to those a, a member of the Giants over there, and that was wide receiver Kadarius Tony. Obviously, going back to draft time earlier this year, Tony was not my favorite wide receiver in the draft whatsoever. And you know, for the first couple of weeks, he had a couple catches for negative yards and so a big joke going around was hey like you have more yards in the nfl than a first round pick and that was like haha that's fun he complained supposedly a couple of weeks ago about a lack of targets and obviously the giants are dealing with some injuries on the wide receiver front they're missing Shepard and galladay got knocked out relatively early but this young man really came out and balled and he did it really 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 well Obviously ended on a negative note of getting ejected for throwing a punch, which is not cool whatsoever. You got to control your emotions, but I understand as you're in a divisional game and you're losing big time and you see something happen to a teammate, you're going to fly in there and, and be dumb. And, you know, I don't condone it. Don't do that. But I guess I get it. Sort of. Kind of. Still not okay. It's like uh, it's like one of those kind of dealing with a banged up, but I think he, he just did really, really well. It's like one of those things. And I'm glad you pointed this out. Because I wasn't gonna mean be mean and be like, "Hey, remember on our live stream when you're like, I hate this pick," <laughs> um, but I'm glad you pointed it out because it was pretty awesome. Um, I, I this is a, gonna be a bad analogy, but I still want to make it anyway. It's like it's like when you said say something when you say something really stupid to a girl that you like, and you're and you tell your <laughs> I already like where this is going. You tell your friend about it, and your friend knows that it was stupid, and they're like. Dude, there's no excuse for that. That was stupid. Why would you say that? But at the same time, you're like, I've done it before. I get it. So, again, it's a bad analogy because this is punching somebody. But at the same time, it's like, I get it. You got heated and you're trying to defend your guys, but it's still stupid. You know? (laughs) It's bad, but I don't care. Regardless, I saw this stat on ESPN's fantasy show from Field Yates that I thought was hysterical and can't be right. I mean, you tell me. This can't be right. Canarius Tony over the past two weeks... 16 catches on 22 targets for 267 receiving yards. Got it. 102 missed tackles forced. That can't be right. 
You know, like, I, it, it sounds unrealistic, but he's he's been wiggly. No, you're right. I mean, wiggly. like, especially the Dallas game, he was catching it and making three or four guys miss on every catch. But still, like, 102 in two games, that seems like it can't be right. But regardless, I, I said that's that just to say, even if it's not right, he's still been pretty darn great. So, uh, yeah, I'm glad you pointed that out for sure. All right, let's get into some week in review. There were plenty of, of, of really, really exciting, interesting games. Let's go... First to the Green Bay Packers who traveled to the Cincinnati Bengals. And wow, what a great game. Uh, also, what a terrible game to be a kicker in this game. Uh, there were five missed field goals in the last two minutes and 12 seconds of the fourth quarter. That has not happened since 1971. And and that game, only four were missed in the last uh, two minutes of the game. Wow. Green Bay fan. How do you feel? How's your heart rate? Yeah, it was. It, the, there, we were we were laughing in the living room as it was happening. But the heart rate, I can't lie, was was elevated, was spiked. You know that it it makes it fun. That was this was one of the games that I potentially thought could have been one of those thirty five plus point games. So I expected it to be a little higher scoring than it was, but there were some mistakes by both by both teams. But you know. Say what you will about Cincinnati. They were still a three and one team going into this, and they were it was in their house, and they were looking. They wanted real badly to beat the Packers. CJ Uzuma came out, tight end of the Bengals, before the game and said, "We're gonna put the put ourselves on the map in the NFL right now by beating the Packers. Like if this happens, we we're here. We've made it." So this is a team that wanted to beat them bad. So it it was it was exciting, and it was good to see them on the winning end, obviously. But yeah, I mean. Hot dang! It was it was crazy. There were some questionable calls there, I think, by by both teams, and you know it it set up for an exciting end. Yeah, and I listen, guys. I I could be wrong, and I think at times they do have some protection issues. And Aaron Rodgers is also quoted in his in his post game saying that he went up to Joe Burrow and said, "Man, some of the stuff that you can do, you just gotta slide sometimes." Because obviously he took that horrible hit on that on that rush trying to get for a first down. The Bengals are a good football team. Like, I, the Bengals are good. They have weapons. They've got speed on defense. Their biggest issue is protection, and you hope that it can continue to get better. But I, the Bengals are a good football team. That's I, I fully believe that. And they, I mean, I, let's look at this real quick. Uh, one, two, uh, three, four, five, uh, six. I still think that they can win six to seven more games this year. That involves maybe one, one and a half games that you're like, ooh, are they really going to win this game? But, you know, they already have three wins. Six or seven wins gets you to nine or ten wins. That maybe sneaks you into the playoffs. You know? I mean, I legitimately, because they still have the Lions and the Jets. I still pick them against those guys. Um, they have the Raiders who are kind of falling apart. They already beat the Steelers. Who knows what the 49ers quarterback situation looks like. Um, and then they still have the Broncos who have been faltering a little bit. Um, and, you know, we could talk about the Chiefs at some point, but they have the Chiefs at home late. So, I, again, like, I'm not counting that one as a win, but I'm just saying that, like, these are games that I'm not going to be shocked if the Bengals come in and win. And I'm not, again, I'm not saying that they're going to make the playoffs, but they only have to win six more to be a 9-8 and eight team. And in the AFC right now, I feel like the 7th seed is going to be a team that backs into it at, with nine nine or ten wins it certainly could so regardless uh let's get to the next game that i have on our week in review 
Uh, my phone did just lock with the rundown on it, so let me get to it real quick. Here we go. Steelers at Broncos. So we talked about Cincy having beaten uh, the Steelers, and we all but buried the Steelers in a grave last week when we talked about them. And then they put up 27 points against this Bronco defense. Denver allowing 25 points per game in the last two games, both losses. They were only allowing 8.7 in their three-game win streak to start the year. This is Von Miller's first sack out of five or first game out of five this year with no sacks uh pittsburgh it was big ben's first game all year with multiple touchdowns and it was pittsburgh's first game with 100 plus rushing yards they had one they have won 18 straight games when they get 100 plus rushing yards and this was also the first rookie running back to go for 100 rushing yards since can you give me the name for pittsburgh James Robinson for, Pit- oh, for from Pittsburgh. For Pittsburgh, sorry. Um, no, it's a trick question because it's I, I would have not guessed it either. Jalen Samuels in 2018. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I thought Denver was going to crawl back in it near the end. There, obviously they they couldn't they couldn't quite get it done. But what were your thoughts from this game? You know, I think. Obviously, and I, I want to ask you the same thing because this was a pal's pick last week and you said at the time we still thought Drew Locke was going to be playing and you said if Teddy played, it's definitely the Broncos. Uh, you still took the Broncos. So I want to get your opinion on it. But it, it all, obviously last week I came on and was talking about Big Ben being benched and obviously this week it was a little bit better um, by a little bit. I mean, it was a lot better because before that it was pretty darn bad. But to me, it all comes down to the rushing. Like you said, since 2018, they're 18-0-1 when they rush for over 100 yards. Big Ben slung the football pretty darn well, but it's a combination of things because when they're running, it takes a little bit of pressure off. They don't know. It just creates those two different dimensions. And so when they're running the ball effectively, it just creates and makes it a little bit easier to throw the football. And right now, I think they have a quarterback. They can still throw it, kind of, but it needs (laughs) to be a little bit easier. I just, it's just funny because, and again, quoting winning with rushing stats can is sometimes loaded i think that now in the modern nfl we have to kind of put an asterisk next next to it because a lot of teams only run the ball when they're when they're leading already to close it out which again is still valuable and you have to be able to do it at times i'm not i'm not harshing that mellow running backs matter to me sorry analytics people but i will say that sometimes it's a skewed stat because it's you took the lead and then you just kind of like play it safe the rest of the way and you end up winning but you know, Denver almost ended up coming back and winning it. Teddy didn't have a bad day. 24-38, 288, two touchdowns. He did throw a pick. Uh, their run game was pretty solid, although they did, didn't do run a lot. Uh, Javante Williams averaged 7.6 yards a carry. Melvin Gordon averaged four. Uh, Cortland Sutton is seemingly fully back from his injury from last year. Seven catches, 120 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, their defense couldn't slow it. It's cool to see. What'd you say? So that's cool to see. Yeah, absolutely. And but again, it's the defense. Like Big Ben was not that great. Like Big Ben had the really great throw uh to Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool made a really great, you know, couple of plays for him where he just kind of threw it up for him. And that's fine. But like Big Ben was not the reason they won this game. Their defense stifled Denver's offense. They got a, a turnover or two and Najee Harris controlled the controlled the clock with 122 rushing yards, over 5 yards of carry and a touchdown. I mean, I just I still, like I said, Pittsburgh won this game. That's fine. I got it wrong. That's fine. 
Denver is still a better team to me. There are still so many better teams in the AFC to me, and I could be wrong. I hope for the sake of my friends and family who are Steeler fans, like I hope that I'm wrong about that, but I still would pick so many other teams over Pittsburgh, and I just I feel like Pittsburgh's best chance is if somehow Ben is no longer the starter. He looked fine. I, he just... I, I didn't see anything in this game that was like, oh, see, Big Ben is okay. I still think there's issues there. Yeah, I agree with that, but I will disagree. I There are a slew of teams in the AFC I would choose over Pittsburgh. I agree with that. I do not agree. I have not been on the Denver Broncos. And you have not. You have not. All. No, you have not. I'll give you that. You have not. So nobody – and again, I could be wrong with that. I just I still think Denver's better than that. I know they played uh, sort of lesser competition to start the year, and they were three and zero. But uh, they're going to be featured in Pals picks, so we'll talk about them and their future heading forward. Uh, Browns Chargers talked about this one a little bit. I did certainly talking up the the Chargers side of it. So I'll toss it to you to talk about Browns side and and just this game in general. Yeah, I thought this was a. This so far, in my opinion, goes down as the game of the year. So far, I probably agree. Five weeks, I think. Yeah, and it it was just really, really unfortunate, in my opinion, how the game ended because I thought it was obviously you don't want to say flawless because you know you don't put up you don't give up forty seven points and be like it was a flawless game that was so good. But I thought the Browns made so many good decisions. One of them you highlighted earlier. I loved forcing Eckler in the end zone to get the ball back. But then I just felt like everything about the offense when they got back on the field was awful. I, I hated chucking, checking the ball down three times to pick up the first first down, which took like half the clock. And then you just set up three Hail Marys. At least try to play for the, the sideline to pick up 10 and put yourself at around the 50 to make it a more manageable Hail Mary in my opinion so it was just a few weeks ago I, I think it might have been after week one it was week one because it was the Kansas City game I came out and I allotted the Browns for not losing a game in Browns fashion this one I will completely reverse that in my opinion I thought they lost the game in Browns fashion because they really did a lot of great things throughout the course of the game and then at the end when it mattered the most I just felt like they looked like a team that didn't know what they were doing and that's not something that we've seen a lot from this Cleveland team this year and even last year for a lot of it this is just not something that we saw I will say there was a lot of bad officiating in that game I I I fully think that I think there were some really bad calls but we always say you don't leave it up to the officials you have to do it yourself because we know the officials will be wrong (laughs) so you know it was just unfortunate that I think it came down that way I thought the Browns were going to get out with a win, and it didn't happen that way. I will say this. Justin Herbert, 26 of 43, 398 yards, four touchdowns, no picks, and a rushing touchdown. Uh, Mike Williams, our best fantasy football decision we've ever made. Uh, Eight catches, 165, and two touchdowns. Baker Mayfield did finish 23 of 32, 305, two touchdowns, no picks. Uh, The big story for me, though, and these are my two concerns, one with each team, and we can leave it at that. Nick Chubb, 21 carries, 161 yards and a touchdown, almost eight yards a carry. And then their backup, Kareem Hunt, also 61 yards, five yards a carry, two touchdowns. The Chargers got to do something on on defense here because if teams are able to do that against them, they're going to have to score 50 points a game. It kind of puts them in the Chiefs' territory. It's just they've been able to win some of these games. So we'll see what happens, but that's my one concern with 
with the Chargers, and the concern with the Browns is Baker Mayfield. And I know it feels weird to say about a game where your quarterback threw for 300, two touchdowns, and no picks, but it's telling to me that a coach as smart as Stefanski is calling run plays and short pass plays for your quarterback in the two-minute drill or under one-minute drill instead of having him attack downfield. That that concerns me that your coach seemingly doesn't have a trust in you to attack late in the game. I don't know if that's really what it was, but it's eye-raising to me. That's my one concern. No, I think both of those are extremely valid. Obviously, the Chiefs don't have the greatest run game, but they were able to go up over 100 against the Chargers a few weeks ago. They got run all over, like you were saying. Let's take the five yards from Hunt out, which is obviously great. You will, But eight yards of carry for Nick Chubb, and it, it, it wasn't even like one of those he broke one for 90 and then everything else was No, it was like 20 yards every These run. These were just consistent. <laughs> like just picking up gigantic chunks of yards. And so obviously when you are doing that, it is a little bit hard to to judge the quarterback. So I think that's totally fair and valid. So last but not least, I just want I just want to hear your thoughts about Bills Chiefs. Obviously you got my slightly tipsy text about it during the game. <laughs> and I did I did predict I thought Buffalo would win convincingly by more than 10. Uh, so again, I felt good about it. It happened that way. I still was a little surprised about it. It was a weird game for a lot of reasons. One of them obviously being the, the delay in the middle for lightning that I thought was going to be Ravens Niners Super Bowl esque where Casey was going to come back running and they didn't Buffalo kind of put it away late. I just, I'll toss it to you for your thoughts about this game. Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts about this game because it, it was a big one and a big important one and obviously tip your cap to to Buffalo. I'm not gonna lie, I didn't I didn't watch the entire game because of the hour plus delay. <laughs> That's okay. I didn't call off work the next day, so I didn't <laughs> watch the entire thing. So, but like I said, tip your cap to Buffalo. Right now, they are definitely the team to beat in the AFC, if not the NFL. And and they put the NFL on notice. I will say this: it has definitely become trendy to say that the Chiefs suck right now. Yes, for sure. And. And in, in, in some ways, that that's valid and that's warranted. But I still feel like they have maybe I, I don't even want to say a ton of veteran experience, but they have experience because they've been there and they've done that so often in the last. I, I even last like five years with Alex Smith going back there, but they've done it the last three years with Pat Mahomes being there. So I, this. And again, takes nothing away from the Bills. The Bills played the absolute, I don't want to say perfect game because it wasn't perfect, but they came and did everything they needed to do. The only time that I saw Josh Allen do something that I didn't like was when he was trying to get out of the sack and then threw it away and it was a, um, it was a oh my gosh, I'm totally blanking on the, the name of the penalty, intentional grounding. And I love that Collinsworth said that's the one thing that Josh Allen needs to get corrected because I'm like, yes, thank you. That's so very, that's so true. But I, I loved at one point you, you texted me. He It was one of the very early scrambles, and he slid down with three guys around him instead of trying to take on that contact because that was looking like it was going to be a classic. Josh Allen ran for 20 yards, and it was awesome, and then got tackled by three guys and lost the football. Yep. So I loved the maturation yep. of him sliding. That was so, so, so good. Yep. But here is here is my caveat, and I said it last week, and I'll say it here again. Often, I think... I am not on the bandwagon of the Chiefs are awful and they suck and everything's over. 
just just toss Tennessee or not Tennessee, toss Kansas City aside. I'm not. I'm just not ready to say that yet. And I feel like this very well could, especially like I said earlier on, the Chiefs could be the wild card. So this could be the Chiefs going to Buffalo. And often in these kind of situations, when we have teams meet in the playoffs, when we have an example like this. It, it can flip the script because I think Kansas City is going to be extra motivated right now because everything went Buffalo's way. We saw interceptions off wide receivers' hands or dropped passes on fourth down that are right on the numbers or just it was the perfect storm against Kansas City. So right now, sitting here on Wednesday, October 13th, you give all the credit to Buffalo because they deserve it. But I will say this isn't something where – you just give the Lombardi Trophy over to Buffalo because it, it's it's a long, long road to go. And that's not focusing on the Buffalo aspect, but I'm going to say they have an opponent right now that wants to beat them just as bad as Buffalo wanted to beat Kansas City for all this time. The the, the scripts were reversed. Great point. Great point. Uh, absolutely. I, I don't disagree with anything you said. And guys, Kansas City is going to rattle off five to seven wins in a row here and everybody's going to forget not forget but they're going to be like oh that's right the Chiefs are still a great football team I fully believe that I'm not I'm concerned a little bit about their ability to get to the Super Bowl right now which could change but they're sure. they're going to be fine Absolutely. Uh, a couple tidbits about the Bills game real quick and then we'll move on uh, Coach McDermott Quote, this is our measuring stick. If you lose in the AFC Championship game, that's the team you've got to beat. So we've got to do everything with that mind, with that mind, with that in mind this offseason. He said that after the NFC Championship game, and while all week they kept saying, "Oh no, 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 it's just another game." It wasn't to Buffalo. Uh, sure. Couple of couple of quick tidbits about the Bills this season. They're the first team with two shutouts in the first four games of a season since the 2000 Rams, the famous 2000 Rams or Ravens, the famous. 2000 Ravens like defense. The, the greatest show on turf. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying that that's who they are, but, you know, that, that there are some some mirrors there. Josh Allen's 18th game with a rushing and passing touchdown. They are 17-0 and when Josh Allen does that. Speaking of Josh Allen, he's only the second player in NFL history with 75-plus touchdown passes and 25-plus rushing touchdowns through 50 games total. Uh, the 2021 20, snap percentage for the Bills D line. They have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight players with over 35% snap percentage. So they really attacked that. Let's get a rotation going up front. That's how you beat good teams. That's how you beat the Chiefs. Uh, the Chiefs had only nine fourth downs all season, nine fourth downs all season, and three of those they kicked field goals on. On the first drive, Buffalo forced the first uh, fourth down, and they multiple times, but there were penalties and things that were called back. But they forced it in the end and forced a field goal. Buffalo is now 15 consecutive games with a halftime lead, which is an NFL record. So yes, I feel very good about my team. I'm not going to sit here and and be glory or anything about that. But you're absolutely right. There were a lot of things that went into this game. I fully believe we'll meet again, and I believe it'll be probably a one point game. So. That's all. That's all I'm gonna say about Ooh, it. Dang. <laughs> that's all I'm gonna say about that. Uh, and let's. The Titans are not a pushover. I'm not marking that one as an easy one either. Yeah, no. I think <laughs> it, it definitely. This Monday night game is gonna be real fun. We're about to see. Obviously, I uh, I've said that so many times today, and I apologize. I don't think Tennessee necessarily packs the same punch that you would think of the Kansas City offense, but I'm real excited to see Derrick Henry go up against this vaunted defense. For sure, for sure. While, while I, I, I do believe there is 
I don't want to say padding. That's not the right word, but obviously going against a backup in Miami and then Davis Mills in the pouring rain. There, there have been some question marks that I've had about the defensive stoutness of the Buffalo Bills, but they really just came out and, and opened my eyes in a really good way against Kansas City. And there, and that was I don't know it was telling. I don't, so that was cool. I don't know what the number is, but there are a single digit number of times that Pat Mahomes has only scored twenty or less points in his career. So twenty points is a lot of points to a lot of people, but to Casey pretty good i have one cold read oh my gosh of course i have one cold read for you okay okay and then we can go to pal's picks unless you have anything this is a very very serious i have one this is a very serious thing so i need you to to take a moment so in aaron Rodgers' post-game presser he wore a beanie how do we feel about this awful (laughs) for those of you who don't know josh hates beanies that's all i had i didn't have anything for real (laughs) Uh, no of course but I mean Aaron Rodgers is going Aaron Rodgers is 37 years old but he's going through his whole like I'm 25 years old because I have a young fiance so I'm growing my hair out and it's not just because of my Halloween costume so I love him I'm doing I love him I'm doing I'm a I'm a band in my new Allstate commercial fantastic this rock star so of course what what do we expect it's fantastic Aaron Rodgers is doing right Aaron Rodgers living his best life uh, I, I I hope honestly, unless you guys are playing us, I hope you guys win this Super Bowl this year. Just because we could be like, look, Aaron Rodgers decided to live his best life and say screw anybody else who says otherwise, and got to win a Super Bowl. So that's all I have. All right, my cold read is obviously it's still a few weeks out, but we are starting to see some rumors and some players that very well could be on the trade block with the trade deadline approaching. Who are some players? I have a couple in my mind that could be moved. What? Who, who do you think could possibly be moved? Well, my slam dunk one I already told you, and it's Marlon Mack to the Ravens because I don't care. Latavius Murray and Devontae Freeman do not look good. The only times they ever look good is when they're— I don't know. They clearly love them. When there's a hole open, I'm like, guys, I could have gotten five or ten yards out of that, okay? And I weigh 250 pounds, okay? I'm a big dude, right? I just I don't think I don't think I don't think either of them are that good. Marlon Mack looks great, looks healthy. That's my slam dunk. Marlon Mack for a fourth or a fifth round pick. Let's get it done. Send him on his way. That's my that's my number one one. Uh, my other thing that I would like to see is I would really really like the Bengals to make a move for another lineman. I think they need one more guy to kind of round out that unit. There they at times they look really good and there are other times where they really really struggle. I think and I don't even care like it could be a high pick if you want to. That's fine. I really think they need to, to find a team and be like, "Okay, we need another lineman here. Let's let's trade for that." That's that's one that I really really want to hone in on. Uh, other ones can, you know, I'm I'm sure there could be surprises here there um i know that green bay really likes the receivers and randall cobbs looks good but i wouldn't hate them making a move for another receiver but we talk about that literally every year so we know we <laughs> we know that's not gonna happen um i it, the pats if they really want to make a move i wouldn't hate them making a move for a receiver like you want to give up a maybe maybe two second round picks a second and a third for obj from cleveland maybe that could be kind of fun like that and then the other big one obviously is the Steelers I think the Steelers have a championship caliber defense they have weapons I think that they need a quarterback it's not going to happen because Mike Tomlin is his mindset is I've never had a losing record with this quarterback why would I give him up but I think it's time and it's not going to happen but it should happen 
All right, you did bring up the name that I am interested in watching, and that is Odell Beckham Jr. I know that you talked about him being a breakout player earlier on in the offseason, but right now he's been back for three games, and he's only caught nine balls for 124 yards, no touchdowns, and obviously in a what really was a shootout, although they were running the ball really well, you would expect your wide receiver to put up points. They're missing Jarvis Landry, which is another factor that I just feel like they don't, care about getting obj involved i feel like he very well could be moved right and not even that uh what's more than that you just rattled off his numbers but i'm pretty sure yeah you how many you said it was like nine catches for 124 right something like that correct yeah okay and in one game he had five for 77 in his first game back so he's really only had four catches for like 70 yards in the span of like three or four games it's not been that great for obj and i don't think it's a matter of actually him being bad or him not being able to get open or anything, I, I think what you just said is right. They're not focused on trying to get OBJ the ball. And I actually think that if OBJ is okay with that and if Cleveland's okay with that, I would like him just to stay with them because I think that it still helps them to have that guy who you know can make that kind of play or make that kind of catch. I think that what's working now is that Baker's not feeling pressured to go to him and he's just another option. He's a very good option in my opinion still. But it could still work. But you're right. That is a name that could be traded. And I could definitely see him traded to four. I could name four or five teams right now that I'd like to see snag OBJ because I think he could be good. Like, I, I'm looking at the Colts could be a fun option. I'm looking at, I, I mentioned the Packers. That won't happen. But I could. that would be a good spot for him. I like that. <laughs> Again, won't happen. But I could see that for sure. Uh, I, I mentioned the Patriots. That could be fun. Um, like I Obviously... You know, Atlanta has Cowlett Pitts, and they might be playing for a high pick, but if Atlanta felt like they could do anything, that might be a fun place to go, pairing with Calvin Ridley. Um, so, again, like there are places that could use Odell Beckham. I'd just like to see him stay in Cleveland. You know what is great news? What's great news? The Falcons can't lose this week. Yeah! My favorite. Which is awesome. It's going to be my favorite Sunday. Neither of my teams can lose on Sunday. So, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that being said, it is time for. Pals Pits. Oh, yeah. All right, give him the rundown, stat guy. All right, so last week we both went two and one, so I am still a game up thanks to Adam's loss of a point. I am sitting at an eight and seven record, and Adam is at five hundred with a seven and seven record. So we are still super super close, but luckily the Atlanta Falcons were the Atlanta Falcons when I needed them. They should have won. It's terrible. And then it would have been two in a row, and I would have been like one or two away from hitting that egg yeah, bet. Yeah, and you'd have like three points on me right now. I I would have just cried. <sighs> Whatever. <laughs> All right, so I it was my turn. Yeah, it's, it was my turn first this week. So you you came out swinging last week, and I'm like, you know what? No, let's just go for it. So I, what I did, and again, this is always my strategy, guys. I pick the games that are hardest. But what I did this week was legitimately just pick the only three games that I don't know how to pick. These are the only three games. Okay. These are the only three games on the slate this week that I thought. I genuinely don't know. Any of the other ones, some of them might be hard, but I still was like, I know who's going to win this game. At least I feel I do. So first, let's go to Baltimore. Baltimore with a big, huge comeback win on Monday Night Football against the Colts now faces the Chargers after their huge victory over the Browns. Yeah, that it, this is going to be a really fun game. 
I definitely understand why it is daunting because both teams are coming in off dramatic wins. And so, you know, you really could say the team that comes off the dramatic win usually does poorly, but both teams came off dramatic wins, which is really great. I'm going to still pick the Chargers in this one because I feel like right now the Chargers' weakness is the run game. And when you think of Baltimore, you think of the running game. But right now, other than Lamar Jackson, and even he the last couple of weeks hasn't been running ferociously, is the run game. So I I don't know if I see this getting corrected in this game where they just go all out. Obviously, they lost their rushing record last week, which the, the week after it was such big hoopla. But... Lamar Jackson added to his own record of throwing for 300-plus yards because he threw for 400-plus yards in a career high, which is really cool. He was just on the money. But I have liked what I've seen from this L.A. team a lot. I think they have a slightly better defense right now, and I'm really excited to see the matchup of Joey Bosa running around trying to corral Lamar Jackson. I think it's going to be a really good one. I'm taking the Chargers on the road. Okay. Uh, Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson was 8-for-8 for 187 yards and a touchdown on passes that were 10-plus air yards. Just for context, a quarterback we never questioned passing ability on, Joe Burrow was 4 of 10 for 120 with a touchdown and a pick on the same types of passes. There have been uh, 4,117 instances in NFL history of a quarterback attempting at least 40 passes. Lamar Jackson completed 86% of his 43 passes, which is the highest completion percentage ever since the dawn of the, the creation of football. It's the first time ever somebody has had that high of a completion percentage um, on 40-plus passes. I mean, he was simply sensational. He really, really was. I think you have to put some of the blame on Indy's backfield, defensive backfield. They did have some injuries mid-game, too. Especially as injuries mounted. I think the Chargers are a more talented secondary because in that comeback, it was all Malcolm Brown or Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews. And I think you put Derwin James on Mark Andrews and limit that a little bit. You know, they have some really good corners out there in LA. Obviously they're traveling across the country and some people are like, that's really, really hard. And I still kind of think that's garbage, but (laughs) I was, uh, I was a one Mark Andrews performance away from winning every single one of my fantasy leagues, except for one this week, every single league that I have except for one and then I ended up losing four four out of the ones that I have because Mark Andrews decided Uh. to be nuclear regardless we're moving on Minnesota at Carolina Uh, Minnesota obviously being a kind of interesting team with you know they can at times put up a ton of yards and points and other times they struggle got out with a victory against the Detroit Lions last week and now the Carolina Panthers, who were riding high 3-0, have now lost two straight, including to the Dallas Cowboys this past week. Yeah, this is really two fascinating teams because, like you said, the the Vikings have been all over the place a little more well-addressed, but really the Panthers have been a little bit all over the place as well. We're probably going to see two of the premier backs coming back from injury, Christian McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook. I do expect both of them to suit up this week to play in this respective game. And this, this is a hard one to pick. You know, I think both teams are are very good no matter what their record says. We talked about the Vikings a few weeks ago, and obviously you were pretty high on, on their train prior to the Cleveland claps, if you want to call it that. 
So this this is a hard one. I am going to continue on my road streak here and take the Minnesota Vikings. And okay. I think okay. The Panthers tumble continues a little bit. Okay. Okay. For sure. I get it. All right. So let's go to this Dallas at New England game. And for those of you who were paying attention to the top, I said I gave you the three games I didn't know how to pick. Let me say this first. The Dallas Cowboys have been freaking awesome this year, okay? Dak's completing 74% of his passes, 13 touchdowns, three interceptions, 1,400 yards. Ezekiel Elliott, who we both have never slandered on the show. Let me get that straight right now. You and I have always been Zeke fans, and we talked about him having a big year this year. He's got 450 rushing yards. He's averaging five yards a carry. Um, he's, he's getting involved in the receiving game. He has five rushing touchdowns. Uh, he's getting involved at times in the receiving game. It's definitely more Pollard, but he's shown the ability. We talked about him week one where he was quote-unquote struggling, thinking he didn't. He actually looked good and was fantastic as a pass blocker, and he always has been that way. I just – Dallas has been awesome, and their defense has been great. They're second in the lead in turnovers to the Buffalo Bills, and Trevon Diggs looks like the best corner in the league right now. This team – is at the least number six overall in the NFL. That's my opinion. They're at the very least number six, if not higher. But this is the game Dallas loses, right? This is the this is the game. I know this is your I know this is your pick, and I'm just explaining why I'm giving it to you. This is absolutely the game that New England comes in and shuts them down, and we all go, "Well, that's the Cowboys, right?" So I have no idea how to pick this game. I totally hear what you're saying. I don't think it's wrong. This is the game that Dallas would lose because they're going into Foxborough, and that's obviously a hard place to lose or a hard, a difficult place to win. But I think they would have done that in years past when they had Tom Brady behind the helm. I don't trust the rookie Mac Jones in this game because, like I, like you said, Dallas's defense. And I came on the show a couple of weeks ago and said my how about them Cowboys and I think it continues here because I think that defense is just going to do a good job limiting the New England offense that maybe they wouldn't have done in years past but I think right now just the pieces are all clicking right now for Dallas and they get like I said it's not easy to go into Gillette and win but we know that New England's offense operates through their running game. And Damian Harris, while I think he plays, is a little banged up right now. And I think he's their best back at the moment. So I think he's a little bit hobbled. And I think it's just going to make a, a difference. And I think I'm going to go with keep rolling. I, you know, I'm, I'm all about the away teams. It's a clean sleep for the away teams for me. I'm going with the Cowboys here. Mike, don't take this as a slight to your team, please. Cousins who are Cowboys fans who listen to the show, don't take this as a slight to your team, please. Because, again, I just called your team, at the very least, the sixth best team in the NFL, okay? Um, I'd probably even put them at five right now. But I I still don't – this is going to be a coin toss for me. This is going to be one where I say I can definitely see New England winning. So, regardless, just to recap. That's fair. I I get it. Like I said, Years pass with Tom Brady because let's just put Tom Brady on the pass right now. I'd say this is a coin flip. This is where Tom Brady gets to be the savvy veteran and do the winning thing, but they don't have that element right now, and that makes me feel pretty good about the Cowboys. Fair enough. Uh, you went with uh, so wait, did you go with all road teams? I did you, clean, all clean sleep clean sleep of the road teams. The LA Chargers winning in Baltimore, the Minnesota Vikings winning in my home state of Carolina, North Carolina, and the Dallas Cowboys heading on the road to defeat the New England Patriots. That is Pals picks for Mister Josh Lapping. 
Well, there we go. Let's send it over to you as you get back in. We're going to give you the early Sunday game so we can know if you're going to have a leg up or not. The Dolphins taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars in London. I think this is the Dolphins get right game. I think the Dolphins win by a ton. And I would love to see. Oh, yeah. I would love to see a close game because even it's okay, I've talked about this. I talk about this every time there's a London game. It's my favorite thing. Sunday morning football, waking up, just rolling onto the couch. I make my little breakfast sandwich or my omelet. I roll onto the couch. <laughs> I grab my tea and I lay on the couch and I watch football at 9:30 a.m. I love it. I don't care. I would watch. I would watch. I would watch. Who's my? Le- I would watch the peak Tom Brady. New England Patriots teams, the ones that I hated the most, I would watch them play my old high school at 9.30 a.m. I don't care. I would watch it. Wow. Also, I mean, that would be kind of entertaining to watch that. But regardless, <laughs> I, I would watch it. I love it. It's my favorite. Um, but I think this is Miami's get-right game. I think Tua comes back. I think they show why they picked Tua. I think they show why Tua is the is the better quarterback for this roster over Brissett because he can get the ball out quicker. He's far more accurate. And I think that he's ready to take more shots on the field. I love that they've been using Jalen Waddle more and more. Miles Gaskin's been pretty good over the last couple of weeks in terms of targets as well. I, I think this defense is is hungry to have a game where they're like, okay, guys, Let's not worry about this team. And again, I still think this is a playoff team. I still think that they will get that number seven seed. This is my pick for them, and uh, I think this is their. Ooh, I think th- I think this is their get right game, and I think that they win like thirty one to seventeen, something like that. Wowza! All right, calling your shot. Moving on to a game that. We'll have to see, monitor the health of Kyler Murray. He got a little banged up last week against the 49ers, but the Cardinals taking on those Cleveland Browns, those pesky Browns. The Browns are one of the best red zone teams in the NFL, and San Francisco last week reached Cardinals territory on eight of their nine drives. Okay, so the, the 49ers moved the ball against them. They just couldn't capitalize with the rookie quarterback, and the game could have gone to overtime if Trey Lance gets one more inch on that fourth line, fourth uh, down attempt there. I do want to give one shout-out to the Cardinals players because the rest of this is going to be pro-Browns. DeAndre Hopkins, 765 career receptions. He reached that on Sunday, which is the most in NFL history before age 30. Uh, do you know who's second all-time before age 30? Uh, before age 30. Is this like an easy answer? It's a fun It's a fun answer. You're going to go, ah. Uh, I would say Megatron. It's Larry Fitzgerald. Oh, okay. Exactly. Nice. I thought that was kind of fun. Regardless, I'm going with the Browns on this one. I know that people – the I like the Cardinals. I picked them to go in the playoffs, guys. I still have that. I don't think they win the division still, but I still think that they're going to be probably the fifth seed in the in the NFC. I would I would still pick that. I just I, Cleveland's a better team to me. The Cleveland's going to be able to run the ball all over the Cardinals. I know the defense has shown some promise. I just everybody wants to laud them for holding San Francisco to seven points last week, and like I said, San Francisco still got into their territory eight out of their nine drives. Pretty much every drive they crossed midfield and more sometimes. Okay, it I. I I just Cleveland's going to run all over them, and Baker's going to be pissed that they lost, and Cleveland's going to win this game. I, I I see it being close, but I still think that that Cleveland gets this one done and uh, doesn't have to sweat too much. I don't think that is a dumb pick at all. I will say this, and we see it every time that there is a new mobile quarterback. It just seems like defenses don't know what to do, even though we've seen so many of them come out uh, the last decade 
plus. And it just seems like defenses are a little bit discombobulated. But right now, especially with the shoulder injury, Baker is not being the most mobile quarterback. We're not even seeing as much rollouts as we've seen, which has been so effective and deadly for them. So I think it's going to be a much different beast than what we saw against San Francisco. Fair enough. Fair enough. Last but not least, let's go to the new interim coached Raiders taking on those Denver Broncos we talked about earlier on in the show. Yeah, this the the Raiders are a mess, and I know that um, I know that the Broncos have been a little bit of a mess as well. But this is the Broncos to me, and I think it's the Broncos by a decent amount too. I think the Raiders are falling apart. I don't think this is one of those we got our interim and let's respond to all this backlash. I think this is one of those we're gonna crumble because everything's falling apart. I guarantee there are still a lot of players on that roster that you know, didn't like that Gruden resigned and wanted him to stay. I guarantee you there are still players that like Gruden and liked playing for him. And regardless of who Gruden was as a person, he is still a pretty darn good football coach. And I think he was doing a great job this year. So I just see them kind of falling apart a little bit. I see Denver very upset that they lost the game that they probably felt they should have won against Pittsburgh. And I think Denver wins. I will say this just before we move on. The last two weeks, you have chosen the Denver Broncos, and they have not yet delivered. Hey, but I on the first three weeks, I chose them, and it delivered. Well, nothing <laughs> in pals picks. That's true. No, no, you did the, the, in week one. I did. That's give true. You, the you did give me in week so. one. Yeah, but you're right. You know, you're right. That's a good point. It, this is my this is my in years past Cleveland, where you kept giving me Cleveland, and I kept picking it wrong. So you're gonna. You're gonna hammer <laughs> hammering home Denver every you find that team. It's it's Cleveland, it's Atlanta, and now it's this is the new one. It's hammer Denver because Adam can't pick it. <laughs> well, there we have it. You've chosen the Dolphins over the Jags in a big win Sunday morning in London. The Browns taking down the undefeated Cardinals. They will no longer be an undefeated team if that happens this year. And the Broncos winning a divisional battle against the Las Vegas Raiders. Should be a great week for NFL football. But now it's time for Fantasy Corner. Yep. Whatever, man. You normally sing with me. Regardless, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> didn't know. Didn't know where to go. It's fine. It's fine. Didn't know where to go. We had a good week. We did. We got back on track. We are back in first place in the league, which is good to see. We are eight and two right now. The team behind us is seven and three. So we, I don't want to say we have wiggle room, but we at least we're on, we're on top right now. So that, that's good to see. Rundown of the roster here. We've got Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, we. We still we did do a pretty big overhaul with our bench. Yes, so. we did. So our bench now looks. We got Marlon Mackoff waivers. I talked about Slam Dunk being him traded. I, I think he will be, and I hope it's into a better spot than he is right now. But we have Marlon Mack and Naeem Hines, so we have Jonathan Taylor's backup solidified. We're holding on to, to Tyson Williams. Uh, we'll see how that goes. I'm about ready to give up on it. He's a name that's been floated around with trade. I'm, I'm about ready to give up on him, but Josh convinced me to hold on just a little bit longer, so we'll hold on just a little bit longer. Uh, we do still have Chuba Hubbard, who served us well the last couple of weeks, especially this past week, as CMC's back up. That's good to hold on to him, knowing that you know once the running back gets banged up in a season, typically they do go down again, so that'll be a player we keep. And then we also added the Detroit Lions rookie, Amon Ross St. Brown, who has two straight weeks of 
eight of eight targets and six plus catches. He's scored 10 fantasy points the last two weeks. It seems like he's getting more and more involved. Of course, our stars are still Josh Jacobs, Devontae Adams, Mike Williams, Travis Kelsey, and Patrick Mahomes. We also got Khalil Herbert, who paced the Bears backfield last week, the rookie Khalil Herbert, and Brandon Cooks as well. Still, of course, we have the Mr. 66-yarder, Justin Tucker himself. What, what do you think about our, our, our fantasy outlook and fantasy in general heading up into this week? A lot of injuries. You know, I there there are a lot of injuries that have made things very interesting. Obviously, Devontae Booker was a large fantasy darling off the waiver wire. It's honestly a pick, unless you're looking for a really temporary play, in my opinion. It's not something that is ecstatic because I think Saquon Barkley obviously went down, and he's been injury-prone, and it's really depressing because we talk about him being one of the best young backs that have come out, and he didn't have these issues at Penn State. It really just goes to show that you know, you, you can't forecast these things. But I don't think the ankle sprain that he sustained is going to keep him out long term. So I think picking up Booker, and obviously that was the number one claim. People have just gotten nuts for him. I, I was not super interested. He was a little bit lower on my list of tar- players to target. But I, I think we're, we're sitting okay. We are in a little bit of an iffy zone right now with our bench. But like I said, I do. I, I feel very strongly that Marlon Mack's going to get traded. I'm glad that we pounced on him now instead of waiting. And I think the only reason I know we talked about or you expressed frustration with Tyson Williams, which is very, very fair because I I have no idea why they just seem so devoted to Latavius Murray. But there, there are reports that even for going into the season, he would have been their fourth back. People are calling about inquiring him. So he very well could be on the move because I think it's, clear that Baltimore doesn't really care to use them right, so it's, if they can get something for him they might they might pull that trigger it's not frustration with Tyson it's frustration with Baltimore Tyson's very obviously the best player and I don't get it they I am not a football expert I've watched a lot of football we've talked about it we've analyzed a lot of it so I'm more than your average fan but Tyson's clearly the only guy in that backfield with juice every time he touches the ball I feel like he could take it all the way I feel like he's got a great one cut He's a pretty decent catcher of the football as well. And they still hand it off to 29-year-old Devontae Freeman and Latavius Murray on his 10th team. I don't get it. It makes no sense. I've dropped Tyson in five it, leagues, and I could be wrong. I could totally eat crow. I've dropped him in five leagues because at this point, it's been four straight weeks that they're just not going to him, including one where they deactivated him to play the ghost of Le'Veon Bell for two plays. And we had him on our team too, just in case. But I don't know. I don't get it. It makes no sense to me. And it, there, there's such a scarcity in running backs this year in fantasy. There's like three or four that you can maybe fully rely on every week. Uh, even some of the best ones, you can't fully rely every week because there's just too much variance. So I think the reason why we're so great this year is because we went with the sure things with the quarterbacks and the receiving options that show up every week. Yeah, no, I think... It, it, it definitely is true. I mean, if we were in the top five, we would have taken it back. And I think right now the only back, and I could be wrong, I, I don't even know who the leaders are right now. I think the only back that was top five that was picked that's performing a top five right now is Alvin Kamara, and even he's had a little bit of a slow start. So it, it yeah. definitely is. Oh, Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry. Well, um, But I, I will say, 
it's just speaking about Tyson Williams, which is frustrating, is I feel like not only are they not giving him the opportunity, the very few times that they do, it, it's so uncreative. They let him just go and run into the, the center and where lines are getting stacked, there's there's no creativity. There's no letting him utilize those one cuts. So it is it is frustrating. I totally hear what you're saying. Right. I'll say this. So Derrick Henry still leads the league with uh, 640 rushing yards and seven touchdowns. So you, you probably took him near the top five. Excuse me, although often he falls back a little bit, but still that's he is averaging almost five yards a carry, so he's doing really well. But the reason he has double the rushing yards and touchdowns from everybody else is he has 142 attempts. Number two is Kamara with 50 less attempts. You know what I mean? They're just going. It's not the NFL anymore. They don't run the ball. Uh, the, rounding out the rest of the top 10 are Joe Mixon, who was a second round pick. Nick Chubb, who was also a first round pick, so you did well. Zeke Elliott, who was an end of the first. Antonio Gibson was a second round pick. Najee Harris was a third round pick. Uh, Jonathan Taylor was a first round pick. Aaron Jones and Devin Montgomery, who were second round picks. So you're right. Like if we had one of those top picks, we probably wouldn't be that happy with with the guy that we got. So yeah, I don't know. It's it's a bad year for running backs, man. And I'm glad that we went where we went, but it's frustrating. Tyson could be great for us. I hope Marlon Mack goes to the Ravens and is their lead back by the end of the year. That's what I'm saying. There we go. Yeah, it's definitely a weird world when right now the number four fantasy running back is Cordero Patterson. So you know, <laughs> it just shows that you don't really know what's going to happen, and it is guesswork. But I, I do like the way that we formed this, and we we've obviously been trying to kind of struggling with our running back position, and we talked about it on on draft night. But right now it's because of having the reliability of Mahomes, who obviously had an awful game against. Buffalo but still put up 25 points and Devontae Adams who who came on and had you know that was the reason when we were talking about Diggs versus Adams because both of them were sitting there but just he has ridiculous amounts of targets and he's just Aaron Rodgers go-to guy where Josh Allen obviously has so many targets and is starting to look at Emmanuel Sanders but just runs a lot more and so we I think we did take those really safe floor players and I think that's why we're sitting at the top right now. Yep, absolutely. You're absolutely right. I can't say more about that. And I do have um, Cordero Patterson in four or five leagues because, like I said to you many times, Arthur Smith likes to use Cordero Patterson like Adam Rossi likes to use him in Madden. I didn't get to say that on the show. I'm expecting you, a big. You can't be mad at me. I didn't get to say that about. I didn't get to say that on the show yet. <laughs> I could feel it. I could yeah, feel the tension. Whatever. I said it and you were like, Adam, shut up. Stop saying it. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Adam uses Cordero Patterson and Madden almost all the time. And it's a little bit more disgusting than it is has been in real life. Like the game that he had against Washington is the game that he has every game when I use him in Madden. But I've said it every week to Josh and he's like, we get it, Adam. You're good at Madden with Cordero Patterson. <laughs> Going back to real football, I do expect a bounce-back game for Brandon Cooks. I think he's had a couple down weeks. I expect that to uh, flip. I think we're going to see some big things. And the fantasy schedule for for wide receivers in Texans land is looking pretty favorable coming up the next yeah, handful of weeks. Yeah, and especially so. with how good Davis Mills has looked. We didn't get to talk about him this episode. Hopefully he continues to play well and we'll have chances to talk about him. But yeah, Davis Mills has looked looked great this last week. So I definitely feel great. I know that Chris Moore got the got the work, but you know the better he gets, the more they throw the football, the more Brandon Cooks gets involved. I'm totally with you on that. There we go. Alrighty, so that was a fantasy corner. 
fantasy corner. Oh, God, it was beautiful. All right, let's get to some friend's fortune here, my friend. I went first last week. You go ahead and you go first this week, my man. All right, three, two, one. Oh, I need to turn my phone off. That's what. Yep. Okay. Yep. Three, two, one. Everybody, I got a cat last week, and I've never been a big cat person, but she's pretty great. Her name's Toast. She's a bundle of cuddly joy, and it's great. The reason I'm talking about this instead of a fran- fantasy or friend's fortune, excuse me, is because mine's sweet and simple. Last week was awful for kickers. I'm going to say kickers rebound in a big way, and all kickers combined are going to complete 95% of their kicks this week. 95 after what was kick-again last week. Fantasy corner! I'm done. Oh, wow. That was so quick, man. All right. I'm... Yeah. Let me... That's what she said. Yikes. Anyway, it's a, it's a family show. Three, two, one, go. <laughs> okay. So... So far this NFL season, we've had a handful of games going to overtime. I believe we've had one every week. Uh, the Vikings and Bengals went into overtime week one. We also had the Raiders and Ravens go uh, that same week. So that's two. Uh, let's go through the schedule here. Let's see how many more that there were. Three, the Titans and Seahawks went to overtime um, in week two. In week three, we had no teams going to overtime. In week four, though, we did have the Jets and the Titans go to overtime. So that's four games. Uh, and then in week five, of course, we had the Packers and Bengals go into overtime. And then the Colts and the Ravens go into overtime. So that's six overtime games to start the NFL season in the first five weeks with only one week not having one. Six. I say we get to half of that in one week. I say that there will be at least three games this week that go into overtime. All right, cool. I'm back. Hot dang. We were quick this week, is buddy. It, All right. Is it that's it? Is it not good when to be quick? Like is like when she says that was so quick. Like that No, not normally. That's bad. Oh. Anyway. <laughs> oh man, I don't know what to say. Uh I'm just gonna skip my tidbits this week because we've gone a little bit long. Anything else you'd like to say, pal? There we go. I just want to say enjoy week six of the NFL kicks off tomorrow or today whenever you're listening maybe it was a couple days ago with the philadelphia eagles and the tampa bay bucks super bowl rematch yeah yeah thanks for listening to the show guys make sure you follow our instagram you can still join it's not too late to join our run your pool pool winner at the end of the year does win a jersey of their i choice. don't know i feel like i i missed a week once and i'm severely hurting from it so. i do think i have the point system set for playoff games are worth two points so I think that you could end up coming back near the end. Obviously, if you haven't done it at all until now, then you probably haven't. So this is more of a reminder for those of you that listen. Um, but it doesn't matter anyway, buddy, because right now I'm still in second place and I'm going to win the pool. So, uh-huh. <laughs> Regardless, thanks for listening to the show, guys. This is Simultaneous Catch. Thank you for listening and God bless.